0: Welcome to the Westside Gathering podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in.
1: Hey, it's good to be back today, and we're teaching through Romans 8 again over August. And I have this thought in my mind, this idea of what it means to get in alignment with someone or something. I'm thinking particularly with my spouse. I'm married. And when you think of marriage, uh, you know, much of marriage is getting on the same page with the other person. There's often a gap between what you want, what they want, or what you want, and what you both want. And often that want, that the better want, is what's best for for the marriage. It's best for the end result. And you might even experience this at work or in other relationships or in other circumstances. And it's very much relatable to discerning God's will for your life. We often find, uh, as we follow Christ, that there's a gap between what's in our heart and God's will. So a gap between our heart and God's will. And I use the word "heart and will" on purpose," because Paul uses it in Romans eight. And so the question I want to start with is, how do we close that gap? Well, there's many ways that that's possible, but Paul specifically leans into one particular spiritual practice or spiritual experience, and it's found in Romans 8, verse 26 to 27. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to it or follow with me on the screen, and, and we're going to read it together. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You know, here Paul introduces this idea of intercession, He does use it in other letters, so it's not the first time he introduces it. But the the idea of intercession is a kind of praying that is very purposeful for someone, for something specific. In fact, in Scripture, we read that that Jesus intercedes for us. He's he's interceding on our behalf, uh, beside God's throne. When we pray in this way, we're praying for others, or we're praying for a fulfilled purpose. Here... Paul is saying the Spirit intercedes for us. Now, the context is that we live in a gap between our present reality and our future reality. Barry talked about that last week, almost like the two lights, the present light and the future light or hope we look towards. And as Christ followers, we're always on a journey between the now and between new creation. And though we experience glimpses of new creation today, we still look forward to the fullness of it. Now, in the middle of this journey, we walk through patches of weakness. Paul specifically says that the Spirit comes to aid us in our weakness. This is another way that the Spirit helps us. The Spirit helps us get through from now to new creation. The Spirit helps us get through the struggle. The the Spirit helps us get through the hardship. And one of the ways the Spirit does that or God's Spirit does that is through intercession. This kind of praying that longs for God's will to get done. We, we intercede for these things or for that outcome. But if we are honest with ourselves, we could admit, like Paul just admits in this text, that we don't know how to pray or we don't always know how to pray. Or sometimes we pray in a way that isn't really connected to God's will. Why would Paul say that? I mean, why can't we just pray anything? And in some ways you can. I don't want to stop you from praying. I don't want to stop you from bearing your soul to God or sharing your heart with God or, or even venting with God. We can, we can talk to God about anything, vent with God about anything. But if we're honest, some of our prayers aren't really God's will. Some of our prayers God doesn't want to answer or is not even involved in because he doesn't want to see that happen. I recently read a book this last spring called The Dangers of of Christian Practice by an author named Lauren Winner. And she goes through different spiritual practices and one of them is prayers. And she talks about how sometimes we as humans, even Christians, uh, in different ways can deform or bring damage to this beautiful gift, a gift like prayer. She she talks about a, a slave owner in an earlier time and how she, she read the books of this slave owner and this slave owner had these prayers for her slaves. But the prayers, when you read them, they're quite selfish. They have no regard for the value of the slaves. They have no regard for the purpose of the slaves, the true purpose. They have this person was just praying for her own happiness, was praying that for patience or for the will of the slaves to be bent to her own will. So she wasn't really praying for the slaves. And when you think about it, there was very much likely evident in that situation a gap between her heart and God's will. And Lauren Winner calls these deformed prayers. That might sound like an extreme example, but I think that that makes sense to us in a variety of ways in the way we praise. And so Paul... Here he introduces, right, he introduces this kind of praying that fulfills God's will and not just our own will. Think about that for a second. A kind of praying that fulfills God's will and not just our own will. We pick up some language from the previous section where Paul talks about groaning, how creation groans for redemption. That's also a word often used for intercession, like he does in these couple of verses. The Spirit intercedes in us with sighs, with groans, too deep for words to even express. I don't know if you've ever felt that in your prayer times. I don't know if you've ever felt that, where you know that there's something welling up in your heart, and your mind. It's almost like a groan, like a, like a sigh, like if you can cry about it or weep about it or even just express some kind of expression. But words would be too simple to express it. Without even articulating what we're praying for, the Spirit can build an ache inside of us for something God wants that's beyond your want or beyond my want. So the idea of this part of Romans 8 is to recognize the difference between our heart and God's will. Your heart and God's will. N.T. Wright says it this way. He says, there is a challenge here to every church and every Christian to be willing to shoulder the task of prayer of this kind A prayer in which we are caught up in the loving, groaning, redeeming dialogue between the Father and the Spirit. What a great description. Paul, in this passage, helps us pull back the curtain of what's happening in prayer and how the Spirit is at work in us through prayer, often beyond words that we actually say. And if we pay attention enough, if we slow down enough, if we quiet ourselves enough, enough we might notice the birth pangs of the Spirit actually inside of us. See, again, Romans 8 keeps reminding us we're in Christ and the Spirit, God's Spirit dwells in us. Get this, even in our failure, even in our distractions, even when we're praying the wrong thing, he can get our attention. He keeps reminding us we're in Christ and the Spirit dwells in us. And so even in the middle of a distraction, the Spirit can work in us even against our will. And it's this groan, this this sigh. And, And if we can pay attention to it, we can understand what God really wants to do. And so intercession is a way of form where the Spirit closes the gap between our heart and God's will. And because the Spirit intercedes in us, this is amazing. Now we can partner with the Spirit. We can partner what He's birthing inside of us and not just what comes out of our mind. We can partner with and pray into God's will and not just what we immediately want or we think we want or what's only for our good and no one else's good. We can start praying God's will. This reminds me of some of the extremes in some prosperity movements, what's called word of faith teaching or prosperity teaching or health and wealth or name it and claim it. Some of these preachers and teachers put so much power into your word. If you say it and you believe it and you claim it, then you're going to get it. That's a lot of power for your word and for my word. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe our prayers are vital. I believe we need to pray and seek God and intercede and call out to God. But let me let me think about Paul for a second. Think about Paul writing this letter, uh, imprisoned, persecuted. Do you think Paul? You think Paul didn't want to get out of prison when he was serving Christ in in the Roman Empire? You think his word for the Lord wasn't "Get me out of prison"? Wouldn't Paul, of all people, have the power in his words to just see that happen? You think Paul didn't want to minister without a thorn in his flesh? Yet he says God didn't take it away. You think Paul didn't want a more efficient route in his missionary journeys and avoid being shipwrecked and the ship being damaged and they're off on a shore somewhere? Did he not have the right word to pray? Why didn't Paul just say, Lord, give me a yacht to get to the other side of the sea? Why didn't Paul just say, get me out of prison and into that awesome Airbnb that my friend is listing? Why didn't Paul just say, you know, I believe I should be driving the Cadillac Escalade today because I am a minister of the gospel in Jesus' name? Why didn't Paul just pray those things? Was his words not powerful enough? Because I think these teachings, and I want us to just be cautious about them, these teachings can presume that we know God's will for our lives perfectly. And then what we do is we, we project power into our words and create this expectation that God is going to act and do this in this way. And often, if you look hard enough, you can tell. Actually, you don't have to look too hard, you can tell that these kind of words or prayers usually become are self-serving. Now, John Wayne's gonna get us there next week. Um, in his teaching on God fulfilling His good purpose in us, so I won't say more. But let me just say this: if you're only praying for yourself, if I 'm only praying for myself, I might be missing out of the groans of the spirit in me. What if God wants you and me to shoulder the pain or some form of pain in our society, some form of injustice? What if God wants us to shoulder the breakthrough of a movement of God in our city in a specific way? What if God this these days wants you to sh- wants you in prayer to shoulder the pain of what's going on in Cuba or Haiti? What if God wants you to shoulder the the need that's going on in Canada or America or in Montreal? What about your own family or or your own neighborhood, your own friends? Maybe they're walking through something and the groans of the Spirit are actually indicating that you should be interceding for them and their situation, for redemption to break through in them, in us, and around the world. That's part of what it means to suffer for the gospel. That's part of what it means to lean into God's heart, to lean into his purposes. That's part of what it means to, to, to empty yourself out. We can suffer in prayer because we weep and long for God's will to be done here, even in the messiness of our world. So, how does this change the way we pray? I got three words for us again. These words have a trajectory of getting us closer to God's will and less distracted with our own will. And the words are this the first one is help. Help me. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. So we can, in that sense, call unto God for help. Lord, help me. This is true. This is comforting. This gets us through the weakness, the hardship, the struggles of this life, the patient waiting for new creation. So in the simplest way, maybe one of the ways that you can pray is, Lord, help me. Invite God into your situation. The next word, takes it up a notch, and it's the word search, search me. God searches our hearts to untangle the confusion between our will and his will. His spirit interceding in us is clearing the path so our hearts can be aligned with God's will. So we say, Lord, search me, search me. N.T. Wright says it this way. He says, he says, no doubt God in searching the dark places of our hearts comes across all sorts of things which we would just as soon remain hidden. It's true, right? Like praying, Lord, search me, is very vulnerable. And God's going to come across some dark places in our heart which we would probably like hidden. But if we want to grow, if we want to close the gap between our hearts and his will, then we're going to have to say, search me. Don't let that fear you, though, because God often looks beyond your junk, beyond my junk, beyond the stuff in my life where the Spirit's groaning to what the Spirit is actually praying because the Spirit is groaning in our hearts because the Spirit dwells within us. There's some Greek scholars that note that this little phrase in verse 27, this phrase that says, the God who searches our hearts, is actually or can be a title for God. So imagine the title. You know, we call God Father. We call God Lord. We call him Yahweh. We we call him provider. Well, God has another title. The Searcher of Hearts. The Searcher of Hearts. Why would God have this title? Well, this is how God transforms us for good. This is how he searches our hearts. He searches what the Spirit is doing, too, in us. His very own Spirit. As the spirit intercedes, he searches our hearts. So when we say yes to what's revealed, he can begin to transform us towards it. But we we must recognize that he's searching our hearts and then say yes to what he reveals. So this week, part of what I want us to do is just practice stillness. Not just for three or four seconds. Take a few minutes. and Be still before God. Be quiet before the Lord like Psalm 131 invites us calm to calm our souls down in his presence and to allow the spirit to groan or maybe for us to hear the groan of the spirit so the searcher of hearts will recognize the groan in you birthed by the spirit and work one last word because it doesn't stop here and the word is lead lead me lead me is the word we move from our heart to God's will we move from what we want to what God wants So the goal of intercession in us and for us and through us is that we would move forward, right? And so when we say, lead me, after we've said help me or after we've said search me, when we're saying lead me, we're basically saying, Lord, I'm in. Lord, I am in. I'm aligned with you. And so the Spirit then intercedes for the saints according to the will of God, and the ultimate expression of a Christ follower is Jesus is Lord. And if that's true then one of the words that we use in prayer should be lead me. And of course, by saying lead me, we're hopefully directly saying, when you lead, I'll follow and I'll act. So when we think about these three words, right? Help, search, lead. And as we we begin to pray in this way, as we begin to recognize the voice of God's spirit in our own lives, the groans of the spirit, and we respond... When we start to pray in these ways, we start to close the gap between our heart and God's will. Let's pray. God, even over the last, last week and this week, we just recognize the other voices in our life, in our culture, that clamor to get our attention compared to your voice. And Lord, we recognize that there can be a gap between our heart and your will. And yet we're so grateful in your grace and mercy, God. You, your spirit still works in us. Your spirit is still groaning in a sense, deep sighs, too, wor- too deep for words, interceding for us and in us. And God, we want to pay attention to that. So we, we can say help and we're grateful for the prayers of help. But we also want to move to allow you to search us the searcher of hearts searching us so we could say lead me and we can lean into true intercession to pray for your will to be done in us in others and around us in christ's name we pray
0: amen amen god bless you thanks for listening we hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of jesus We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.